0: This is America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
1: Sports Overline continues here on KMOX. We are live in Jupiter, Florida, broadcasting from the TR Hughes Homes Broadcast Center. We are in the Cardinals Spring Training Complex. Uh, First full squad workout on Monday, but that's deceiving because basically... Everybody is here, and full squad workouts are essentially already taking place right now. We're very happy to uh, welcome on to the program. He covers and talks about and writes about Major League Baseball for uh, CBS, CBS Sports. He is Matt Snyder. You follow him on Twitter at Matt Snyder CBS. Matt, appreciate you taking some time with us this evening. How are you? I'm good. You know, it's it's a good time of the year, man. Spring training's here,
0: so it's uh, you know hope for. Almost every team, not every team, but you know, you know, you, you can talk yourself into a lot of things if you're a fan this time of year.
1: Yeah, uh, Pirates and Reds fans might not have a whole lot to uh, be excited. That's why, about.
0: Yeah, that's why I said almost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, not to take things down and, and we'll get into baseball in a moment, but kind of the, our biggest story in St. Louis right now is, is the passing of Tim McCarver. And he was so connected to the Cardinals uh, from his playing days. And then from a broadcasting standpoint, and a lot of people grew up uh, and watched the world series and uh, saw and heard Tim McCarver. I don't even know what I'm asking you, but just kind of general thoughts, general reflections when you heard the news today that McCarver had passed away.
0: Yeah. It's always a sad thing when you lose uh an esteemed member of the baseball family. And um, he was so much more than a broadcaster, as you well know, in, from the St. Louis area, as a, a two time All Star, MVP runner up, World Series champion. Um, and, and then to go on and, and make himself into such a, g- a good broadcaster for so many years, as a Hall of Fame broadcaster, but was also a very good player. That's a baseball lifer, man. And uh, those guys are special to our sport. So. Thank you, Tim McCarver, for everything you did for the baseball family is is my main sentiment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate that. Uh, For folks listening, coming up next hour, I'm going to play some audio from Corbin Burns, but I'm going to ask Matt Snyder about that right now. Uh, Corbin Burns of the Milwaukee Brewers today kind of went off on the Brewers and talked about the arbitration process because they went to an arbitration hearing over uh, not much money, $740,000 was the difference. (laughs) <laughs> and uh according to burns the brewers blamed him for not making it to the playoffs last year what how do you how do you look at this entire situation which just seems like a disaster
0: it's always contentious to to do the arbitration hearings because that's the thing that i, I believe it's unique to baseball i'm not well versed on every single aspect of the salary system in every other sport but i believe this is the only sport where for every other portion of the season, you always have your guys back. But then you go to arbitration, and all of a sudden you have to talk about how bad he is and why you should win the arbitration <laughs> hearing. I just feel like it's something you should try to avoid at all costs. And when you're talking about a Cy Young winner who's in the middle of his prime, not that far away from free agency, one of the best pitchers in the league, he would not be a bad bet to win Cy Young again this year. Actually, be a pretty good bet to win Cy Young again this year. Again this year. You're going to make that fight. You're going to make him that mad at your franchise. Uh, I just don't see the upside in that at all. I I mean, it's, and the funny thing is, it's not like we're talking about an organization that's, I know they're the smallest market in baseball, but it's not like they've been historically as cheap as like the pirates or even the reds. I mean, the brewers pay guys, look at Yelich's contract right now. Look at what they did for Ryan Braun all those years. I I just can't believe that they let it get to that point and they still went to the arbitration table and still badmouthed him. He's one of the only reasons they were actually in the playoff race. Absurd to me. I can't believe it.
1: Does he finish this year in Milwaukee?
0: Probably, because I don't think he would have a ton of say in, in, in getting traded right now. I don't feel like he's... The, the type of guy who's going to go out and, and tank anything on purpose or anything like that and, and demand a trade and make a big show over it. And they're probably going to be in the playoff race. So it wouldn't make sense for them to trade him. Then again, they traded Hater last year, but uh, I, I assume they're going to be in the, in the playoff race. He's not a free agent until after next season. I would bet on yes, um, but it's not a hundred percent by any means. I mean, if they do somehow fall out of the race while he's having a good year and healthy, I I don't think that's going to be the case, but if that somehow happens, he, they could very well trade him because only a year and a half to free agency, he's close enough. At this point, you'd have to say he's not going to re-sign with them, as soured as he is on their process of negotiation. Um, and they could probably get a lot for him because it's not just a rental; it's a year and a half. But I, I assume they'll be in the race, in which case they've got to keep him.
1: He would, uh, and divi- trades like that inside of the division almost never happen, but. For me, the Cardinals are still missing that top-level starting pitcher. And even if Jack Flaherty is that guy, they still don't stand up with some of the other staffs across the National League. It feels like the Cardinals are waiting for a situation like this to maybe go swoop in and get somebody this year.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it it could be that. Like you said, I don't know if the Brewers would want to make a trade like that within the division, but it it could still present itself outside the division. You never know – what's going to happen with the Marlins, where things are going to be with a lot of the pitchers they have. Alcantara's probably a bridge too far, but they've still got, even after they traded Lopez, they've still got some intriguing young arms. And, again, I don't think they're going to follow the race, but you never know what's going to happen going into the season. If the Guardians fall out of it, Shane Bieber is just a perfect fit for somebody like the Cardinals.
1: Do you like the – they play in a really bad division this year where yeah. two of the teams are really bad, and then I I think you may think more highly of the Brewers than I do. I, I'm not convinced the Cubs have not passed the Brewers. I think they're very close to each other. It just – it's hard to evaluate this Cardinals team when they play in a division where they should easily win the division.
0: Well, and it's, it's going to be interesting because the schedule is balanced now. So, you know, how much different is that going to be when – some of those Reds and Pirates games or the Cubs, even from last year, a little bit get replaced with teams, maybe from the AL East or the NL West or something like that. All of a sudden things get a little bit more difficult. It's going to be, you know, are are we now talking about high eighties and wins for the Cardinals? And if so, the margin for error is lower there because the Brewers are right there in the mid eighties, obviously balanced schedule for them too. So if we're going to dock the Cardinals, we have to dock the Brewers and then, and, and the Cubs as well, but it's going to be really interesting to see how things play out with a more balanced schedule, because just looking last year, AL East, four teams over 500 Red Sox in last place, only at 78 and 84. And if you look at the Red Sox, they were brutal against the AL East, Mm -hmm. but really good against everybody else. So you take away a lot of those AL East games, replace them with other divisions and that same situation, man, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to see how it sorts out.
1: So you wrote a couple days ago about the uh, runner on uh, second rule, and, and you are in favor of it. In in theory, yes. I don't like it, but in practice, I do. I like it happening in the moment where it's exciting, and I'm very glad that from a health and safety standpoint, uh, you don't have uh, bullpens that are being crushed. And then, guy, I don't. I always hated the fact that a, a guy does his job, he goes and throws three innings in the pen uh, on a, an extra inning game, and then he ends up getting sent down because he has options. Yes, you you I get, don't like that uh, at all. Yeah. Yeah, you get dinged for doing your job. I always hated that. So um, just uh, I, I said that the other day on this show, and the response to me was very negative. So oh, I yeah. give it to oh, you. Yeah. Why Why <laughs> is this such a good thing?
0: Well, you, first off, I
1: didn't like it that much at first. And my, my
0: main thing was I thought, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get to the 10th, and they're just going to bunt the guy to third. Then they're going to hit a sack fly, and that's one run. Then the bottom, of the half, bottom half, they're going to bunt him over, hit a sack fly to tie it and then we're just going to go on why are we going to do that but actually it's made it a lot more exciting teams actually try to score multiple runs because you're just assuming everybody's going to score one so they play for the big inning that's my big thing the other big thing for me is I, it's the it's, it is to me at least the only sport i can think of where if it goes into whatever extras are overtime extra innings whatever where where you feel like you're going to have this place emptied out. It's possible to have this place emptied out, and people are going to give up before it actually ends. Um, In the likelihood that it goes 15, 16, 17 innings, we've seen those games in the past, and there's like nobody left in the crowd. And I just feel like as much money as it it takes to spend to go to a game, I feel like you should be rewarded with a winner. And uh, I I know some people said, just have a tie instead of do that. No, I don't want people to go – and spend all their money and all that time and sit there and just get a tie or go home and say, you know what, guys, it's 1130. You guys have school tomorrow. We can't stay and finish this game. I know it's the only game we can afford to go to all year, but we just can't find out who wins tonight. That doesn't sit well with me. I feel like it's better for the customers if you end the game within a reasonable amount of time. And I'm not saying get it over with. One of the things I hear all the time is, you just want to get it over with as quick as possible. No, man, you had nine innings. Nine innings takes well over three hours. I just want people to be able to see a winner. And I I know that I'm different because I have a job where I'm going to stay up and watch the whole game no matter what. But there's a lot of people who have responsibilities who can't stay up until 1 in the morning on a random regular season game, and they don't get to see the winner. And I just want people to be able to see a conclusion.
1: Last thing for you, pitch clock, larger bases, uh, banning the overshift. There's no real way to know – The the impact of a single one of those rules when all the rules are being put in together. But which one of those do you think is going to result in the biggest impact and the biggest change in the way the game is played?
0: By the end of the year, I think that everybody is going to be either in love with the pitch count or forget it exists. Uh, The number of minor league games I've been to, I forgot about it by the second or third inning. Like, the first time I was Mm -hmm. there, I forgot. I I started watching it right when I was there and looking at the pitcher. And, like, if there was a base runner looking at him, if there was a guy stepping out, I was really focused on it as part of my job because I wanted to see how it affected the game. By the third inning, I wasn't even watching it anymore. Um, there will be growing pains because there's a lot of pitchers who haven't been in the minors. I I think about somebody like Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander getting mad about it because they haven't haven't done it before. Um, It might be a rocky couple months with it, but I think by the end of the season it's going to be like it was back in the 80s and even the early 90s when the pitcher just got on the rubber, got the sign, and threw it. Instead of standing there forever, taking 30 seconds in between pitches, we don't need all that dead air. I think it's going to be so much more fun to just have almost nonstop action the entire time. So yeah. I think it's going to be great.
1: I was a broadcaster in the minor leagues for a while, and I was at AAA when they just put the clock in. It was it, People think it's going to be like a shot clock where we're counting down and a guy's no, got to no. get a pitch off. No, it's never like that.
0: No. no. Yeah. It, it, so. it doesn't even get close. And they don't look no. at it. I thought that, too. Like One of my initial things was, Mel, well, maybe if fans start counting down, maybe that'll be a fun aspect. No, but you're right. It never even comes close to that, because almost every time I looked, there were five, six, seven seconds left on that clock. They don't even look at it. They just get the sign, they just get on the rubber, get the sign and pitch.:
1: He is Matt Snyder. you read him at Cbsports.com. You follow him on Twitter, at Matt Snyder, CBS. Matt, thanks so much for the time. We'll do this again soon if you're all right with it.
0: Yeah,, absolutely. take care.